beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we find a transition here uh, with Jonah and how God is responding to him. It's interesting, the message stays the same, but God changes something here with Jonah. And what is that? It is the fact that Jonah has rebelled against the Lord. It is what we see in Scripture, Jonah running away from the Lord, and that the Lord was displeased with Jonah. But you notice something, that the Lord doesn't cast Jonah away from him. He doesn't cast him out of the household of faith. This is the God who continues with His people, not twice, not three times, but again and again and again. I see something here with Jonah in my life as well. And you ought to see the same in your life. Because you know that the Lord has called us to be His people and to be those that evangelize in this fallen, sin-cursed world. To have a love and a compassion for our enemies and to do good to them and pray for them who spitefully use us. And we have neglected that. We have failed to do that. We have rebelled against doing it. We have known that these are the things that God requires of us, but we have not done them. And we've confessed to the Lord, and we have turned from that, and we have begun doing this, and we'll do it for a while, a time, and then we'll fall right back into the same thing again. And the Lord doesn't abandon us. He doesn't cast us aside. There, there is great comfort in knowing that the Lord uses His people, and He continues to use His people. You have to remember uh, that the Lord, the God of Scripture, is the God who is the subject of all of Scripture. And it is to Him that we look who is loving and kind and gracious. Yes, He is just. And yes, He does punish sin. But the Lord disciplines His people and brings us back into the right frame of thinking. And isn't it the case that when we sin, it's because we are thinking the wrong things? We are thinking contrary to the word of the living God. And the Lord will discipline us sometimes gently. Sometimes it will be more harsh. Why? Because we're rebellious. We don't do. We don't turn. We don't confess. We are those that put on the phoniness. We play the game. We go through the motions. But we don't do what the Lord says. And the Lord continues to move us in the direction to honor and glorify Himself in our repentance. And that happens all the life long in the Christian. You know, we see this account of Jonah, and too often we want to abstract ourselves from this and say, this doesn't have anything to do with me. This is about Jonah. No, this is us, beloved. This is what we do. It's the same thing when you see the disciples when they're walking along with Jesus and they're disputing with one another of who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, what are you arguing about as you walk along the way? Oh, nothing. And we look at that and we go, well, how could they do that? We do the same thing. We are the same as we see the people in Scripture. It's a sad thing as we are more like those in the Old Covenant than we are unlike them. We're more like them than unlike them. Here they are, they see the ten plagues the Lord brings upon the Egyptians. And then they wander around in the wilderness, in the desert, mumbling, groaning, and complaining against the Lord. After seeing all of His wonders, and yet that's what they do. And we do the same thing. We take the Lord's Supper, we walk out, we grumble, we complain. 
Service was too long. He prays too long. Too many hymns. I don't like this. I don't like this. Too cold. Too hot. Constant grumble. Why did somebody park there? Now I can't get out. I have to wait for them. (sighs) Right? That's us. And the delusion is that we don't think it is, but it certainly is. This is what you see in Jonah's life of running from the Lord. Jonah knows what God requires of him. Jonah knows what God is calling him to. He's not ignorant of the calling of God. He just doesn't like it. That's you and me. We see things in God's word and we know what God says in his word. We just don't like it. And we think that if we hold out long enough, God will change his mind. Beloved, God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't change. There is no change in God. We'll get to that portion, Lord willing, next week about the Lord relenting. Because it's not what you think it is. So here we have Jonah. And the Lord comes to him the second time. And notice what he says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Isn't that the most important thing? You see, I don't have a message. What I am to preach is God's word. This is not my message. This is God's message. I'm simply the messenger to bring you the message of God to you as the people of God. I'm not making this up. This is what God says. And that is what the preacher is to preach. You have nothing to preach if you're not preaching God's word. You are to herald the word of God. And so the word of the Lord came. God came to Jonah. He came with conviction. He came with comfort as well. Because Jonah wasn't cast out. But Jonah knew what his calling was. And it didn't change. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And it's the second time. Saying. God tells him. Arise and go to Nineveh. Uh, It's important is to understand, just in that first verse, the word of the Lord. Beloved, if somebody stands in this pulpit, because one day I will not be here. And when somebody stands here, and if they're not bringing the word of the Lord, run for your life. Somebody comes and tells you, well, you know, I just want to tell you what's on my heart. Remove him immediately. I could care less what's on that guy's heart. I want to know what God says in his word. It's God's word that is creative. God creates with his word. It's God's word that is the criteria. It is the standard. This is what we need. It's the word of God that regenerates the soul. It's the word of God that sanctifies the believer. It's the Word of God that gives assurance to the heart of the redeemed. That's what I need. Not the Word of men. I need the Word of the Lord. We need the Word of the Lord. The whole of this world needs the Word of the Lord. But the unbelieving world gets the Word of men. That has no power to create, no power to redeem, no power to sustain, no power to assure, no power to comfort. I've said this before worth repeating go to a funeral and I'll tell the widows predominantly that there will be a lot of harmful helpers that will come today 
I don't care if you criticize me for that. That's the fact. Harmful helpers. People that come that don't intend to be harmful, but they're harmful. Because all they have is the aphorism and colloquialisms of the world. Human philosophy that is empty and vain. That cannot bring health and healing and comfort to the soul. Beloved, we need the Word and we need to speak the Word of God to one another. That's how we counsel with the Word of God. I'm done with the cycle babble of this, the, the church of Jesus Christ. It's, it's unconscionable that we would come up with programs to think that we could change the disposition of an individual's heart. We cannot. God does that and He does it through His Word and by His Holy Spirit. And this is how His Spirit works through the Word. You'll notice something. There is revival that takes place here with the Ninevites. Revival takes place. How? Did Jonah give a puppet show? Did he set up a Kool-Aid stand? Did he do some programs? Oh, we love programs, don't we? Did he do programs? And then they got down in sackcloth and ashes because, oh, did you see that program? Oh, it was so moving. That's not what happens, is it? Not at all. Jonah comes with the word. Could it be? Could it be the fact that we don't have, first of all, reformation in the church and then revival, maybe in our city, our county, maybe in our state, maybe in our country, because the Word of God is not being proclaimed? Because that's how those things come to pass. Men's hearts are changed by the ministry of the Word. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The hardest nut to crack, the Lord does. And He creates faith within. I think the church has lost confidence in the Word of God. If, if, if that's not the case, then why are we constantly replacing it? Why are we outsourcing why are we running to everywhere else but to the word of the true and living God? The word that then pierces the division of my heart. That it knows the thoughts and intents of my heart. To the word that gives life. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge abide in Christ. Christ is the word revealed to us. And we want to throw it all aside and go in another direction. Because we're the worldly wise. I, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. It angers me. It is the eclipsing of the glory of God. And it is a setting aside and really essentially declaring God's word has no power. The power is in the junk. And that's what we look to. God comes with his word. God tells Jonah, go and speak. And that's what he does. He comes, notice verse 2, arise. That just simply is a signal there that Jonah was probably laying down. He was probably resting and the Lord came to him. You know, this is a rebellion. I'm not going to get out of my bed and go do what the Lord has called me to. I'm going to take my ease and sleep. The Lord arises, rises him up, wakes him up, arouses Jonah. He says, go to Nineveh. Now, thinking about the Ninevites, 
They were a wicked people, an extremely wicked people. These were people that would capture others and would impale them on stakes and leave them out in the desert to then be those that would bake out in the hot sun of the desert. They were those type of people that would flail the skin off of you. They would fillet you, taking your skin off. You're alive and you're being skinned alive. That's, that's barbarism. Those were bar- barbaric people. They beheaded multitudes. Uh, the ancient city of Nineveh was that which you would find skulls that were piled upside the entrance of the city. Showing just how vicious these people were. They were, they were people that were, uh, people were terrified of them. So you can understand there is a sense of Jonah as reluctant to go to them. He doesn't want the grace of God going to them. He wants the grace of God for himself, but he doesn't want it for them. Isn't that odd? Aren't we an odd bunch? Aren't we strange? Isn't it strange that we would know and we would taste the goodness of God? And we wouldn't want to communicate that to others? That we wouldn't want that for others? That we would discriminate in who we bring the gospel to? Isn't that odd? We are those to do like kind that has been done to us by the Lord. We have been forgiven, so we forgive. God has bestowed His grace upon us, so we are to be gracious. God is good to us, we are to be good to others. God has shown His loving kindness, His hesed, His covenant mercy. We are to be merciful to others. This is exactly what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes. There's hesitation. I understand it in one sense. But in another, you don't, right? Because, was he afraid of the Ninevites? It's God who commissioned him. My life is not my own. Get that rooted down within your soul. That your life is not your own. You belong to your faithful Savior. You are the possession of your faithful Savior. That means, beloved, that whatever you are to do in life is directed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords who provides and sustains until He is finished with your ministry. Then He removes you. So in a real sense, you are immortal until the Lord is finished with you in His service on this earth. Then you go to glory. Jonah needed to learn that. We need to learn that. We need to stop being afraid. Because if you say you're not afraid, you know, you're just, you're just lying. We're afraid of all kinds of things. And Jesus says, do not fear the one who can kill the body. And then afterwards, do nothing. What can man do to me? Kill the body. That's all. 
Fear the one who can kill the body, then afterwards cast the soul into hell. Him you shall fear. And if we feared God more, we would fear men less. We would fear viruses less. We would fear less. Fearless. We like that quality, don't we? We fear less and we become fearless. Bold as lions. That's what we need as the messengers of Christ. Not to fear the faces of men. So the Lord tells him, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Estimations, historians say there were upwards of 600,000 or more within the city. It was a huge city, big you know, I've heard uh, going into the city, it took three days to go into the city. Why? Because one day you had to stop, get all your paperwork in line, and the next thing you know, you go into this other diplomatic thing, the next thing you know, you kind of go around the city. and It's a big city. He's walking the city. And he's going into all the different parts of the city. And probably within the, the different areas outside of the city. They all didn't live inside the city just proper. There were those that lived outside of the city walls near to the city. So that in case of an attack they would be able to run into the city walls. And so Jonah was commissioned to go to Nineveh, to all of Nineveh, and proclaim this word. So it speaks about this being a great city, lots of people. And he was to bring the message to it. The message that I tell you. You don't make it up, beloved. You tell them what I have told you, God says. That's the problem with the modern day church. Is we know we get embarrassed about some of the things that the Lord has said. So we don't want to say it. We want to knock the edges off. We want to make it more palatable to people. Does God love all people? That's not what the scripture says. God hates the workers of iniquity. Oh, I just, oh, I can't tell people that. You better. You better tell people what God says in his word or you're an unfaithful messenger. You're not communicating his word. And as a matter of fact, your ninth commandment, you're slandering your Lord. You're twisting His words. Isn't it amazing what sin does to us? And how we're more concerned about honoring ourselves than honoring the Lord. Lifting ourselves up than lifting up the Lord. Oh, we say it, but we don't do it. Go with the message that I give to this great city and preach this message. Jonah has a, a summary of it. I don't know if he said more than this. But he, he went around and he said, 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. We see a complete change in the prophet, don't we? His calling, his commission, and also the message. It's the same. He doesn't have a different calling. Same calling. His waiting it out doesn't change God's calling for his life. Notice that? So for all of you that are waiting out the Lord, doesn't change the calling of your life. So that when you confess and return to the Lord, calling is going to be the same. The message is going to be the same. Go and proclaim. You don't make it up. You say what the Lord has said. And Jonah went. And according to the word of the Lord... 
He went according to what God has said. Oh, how we need preachers with that heart. Not to go on TV and tell people, you know, I had a dream from the Lord. Or I want to tell you what's on my heart. Or the Lord wants you all rich and healthy. He wants all of His children prosperous. Your children are the king. You should be living in a castle. That's not the message that you find in Scripture, is it? We are to preach what God says. And if you're not preaching what God says, you're a false messenger. He did according to the word of the Lord. So now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey. And I take that simply in extent that it took three days for Jonah to go throughout the whole of that city. The circumference of the city. Some historians have said the circumference of the city was about 60 miles. Well, that's, that's a long, long three-day journey, walking amongst the city. I mean, he's not just, uh, surely, just not walking and walking and walking without stopping, getting something to drink, getting something to eat, maybe talking to people. But here he is proclaiming this message. Three days. It's a great city. It's a city with people that don't know the Lord. Essentially, there are no believers here. This is a wicked, pagan, God-hating city of 600,000 or more souls. And Jonah is taught then to have compassion even on his enemies. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Notice it's even laid out the first day's walk. Here he is walking in the first day. What Jonah looked like? text doesn't tell us, does it? Do you think maybe the message even got there before Jonah arrived? Because the fish spewed him out on land. And there probably were people that saw him on the land. And maybe the message maybe went before Jonah. Pre-evangelism. Hey, you've got to see this dude that's coming. He is bleached blonde. He is white as can be. He's an albino. He, was, he got spewed up by this fish. He's coming with a message. It's almost mis- unmistakable who Jonah was. And yet he comes into the city. And he comes crying out. Crying out. He's heralding now God's word. And as I said, I don't know if it says yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I don't know if that's all that he said. That's all that the text says. He may have said more. I don't know. But that's what the text says. But my point is, it's a short message, isn't it? He's bringing the law. The city is going to be destroyed. This city is marked for destruction. And that's what he proclaims to the people. Now that's what the law of God does. The law of God condemns us. The law of God reveals our wickedness, our sinfulness, that we are lawbreakers, that we have not kept the law of God. Read through the law of God. I shall have no other gods before me. We've worshipped other things, idols and images of our own heart, of our own mind, of our own making. We are not to worship God in any other way than He has commanded in His Word. We've done what we wanted to do. I'll worship the way I want to worship, even if I want to worship. 
Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We have cursed God's name. We have despised God's name. We have run it through the mud like a household swear word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We've done what we wanted to do on the Lord's day. We have gone where we wanted to go, when we wanted to go, with who we wanted to go, and how we wanted to go. We haven't honored our parents. We have been those that have murdered. We've done it in our hearts. We've hated people. We've committed adultery. We have lusted. Some have done so physically. But all have done so spiritually. We have coveted, lied, stolen. We have done all of these things. We have broken all the commandments. And the commandments, when I read them, I realize I've broken all of them. Thought, word, or deed. It doesn't point out to me, how can I be redeemed? I hear that often. The law of God read, the moral law of God. Well, that points me to Christ. Where? Where's the gospel in the law? Show me. Show me where that points me to Christ. As a matter of fact, the, the canons of Dort speak just opposite of that. The law of God condemns us, leaves us in that condition, and points out no remedy for salvation. That came by way of the ceremonial law in the Old Covenant, that there needed to be a sacrifice of atonement. The only way for my sins to be covered was in an atonement. There must be a substitute. We find that right from Genesis, don't we? It's exactly what the Lord does. Take off the fig leaves and put on the animal skins. You must be clothed. There must be a substitution. I and I alone can make you right in my sight. And that's what God does. So this is the message, beloved. He brings the law and these people are slayed by the law. It's amazing, isn't it? That our culture is one today that doesn't want to hear the law of God. Going back to Judge Roy Moore, where it was so distinct, so obvious, that the man makes a beautiful monument of the Ten Commandments, puts it out into the courthouse of this court building, and they brought legislation against him to remove that. Why? There's so much conviction for people. They don't want the law of God anywhere. Why is that? Because man in his fallen state doesn't want God in any of his thinking. And that constantly is before their face, isn't it? It's a reminder. It's a constant reminder of the God who upholds all things with the word of his power. An unregenerate, fallen, sin-cursed, and rebellious man does not want that. So Jonah brings it. He's got some boldness, doesn't he? This is God-given courage. God gives the courage. You know, when you recognize your life is not your own, you can get rid of the fear. You can really get rid of the fear. I don't care what you do to me. Kill me. I'll only go to be with my Lord. There's divine protection. It doesn't say once that they laid a hand on Jonah. Nobody brought that word. Faithful. It's going to be overthrown. When will our country be overthrown? Do you think our country is far from the Ninevites? Do you think the world in which we live is far from the culture of the Ninevites? 
We slaughter children in the womb. Look at the streets in our cities. Look at the barbarism in our country. Go to other countries. I remember Saddam Hussein and the mass graves that he dug and killed his own people and buried them and they discovered them some years later. Unearthed all these graves of all these people that he gassed and killed. Anything different than the Ninevites? When will we, beloved, be overthrown? When will we as a country, when will we as the world be overthrown? It's coming. The wrath of God is coming. And God is going to cleanse this earth with fire and flame in preparation for the new heavens and the new earth that comes down out of the present heavens upon this earth and that God's dwelling place will be in that new earth, new heavens, and His dwelling place will be with His people forever. And all wickedness will be cast out outside of that kingdom of righteousness will only be the dogs, the sorcerers, the whoremongers, the haters of God. It will be overthrown. Don't think it won't be overthrown. Don't think it can't be overthrown. And it is the kindness in us as Christians to bring the message to the world. And yet, do we do it? We don't do it. We say we're going to go. We don't go. We say we're going to talk. We don't talk. We're afraid to talk. And yet God bears long with us. Do you know that bearing long? Do you know that God who continues to lift you up and bring encouragement to you? Do you know that God who comforts you? And that you could truly sense His presence and His power working in and through the Word by His Holy Spirit? That you confess, that you cry, you weep out to the Lord. He restores, He forgives, He enables, He empowers and you go forward. And then you get distracted again. My eyes are off the Lord. My eyes are on something else. Something else, right? It's Pilgrim's Progress. You're walking to the celestial city. And you're caught up in all the things, sights, sounds, smells, tastes of this world. They're entrapping us, beloved. And we're, we're having a difficulty keeping our eye on, fixed upon the Lord Jesus. But that's the admonition. Because when we don't, look what happens. We get drawn away with all those things. Then we confess. We repent. We return. And then just like the spiritual yo-yo, we go through it again and again and again. In an amazing grace, God doesn't cast us out. In an amazement of wonder that He continues to use us. We are the trophies of His grace. We're emblems, demonstrations, manifestations, patches of His grace to tell others about the wonder of our God who saves the most vilest of humanity. So notice the people's response. They believed God. Notice Jonah is preaching 
the word of God and they don't believe Jonah, they believe God. Beloved, yours is to believe God. Not me. God. You are to believe the word of God. You are to test everything that I say by the word of God, which is the standard. You are not to believe on me. You are to believe on Christ. You are to believe His word. And so when the word of God is brought to you, God is speaking to you through that word. And he who hears you hears me. And he who hears me hears the one who sent me. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they believe in Him whom they have not heard unless He's sent to preach? So when the Word of God is proclaimed, God is heard, it's God's message, believe God. That's where salvation is. Believing God. They proclaimed that fast. Notice they proclaimed a fast. The, the, the demonstration that they truly believed was that there was a fast. The whole of the city. They put on sackcloth, which is a garment of humility. From the greatest to the least. Not too much of a problem when you see the least, but when you see the greatest. The greatest with all the robes, with all the attire, with all the money, with all of the jewelry, with all of the things of this earth in abundance. And they put on the sackcloth. That's humility. God had worked into the heart. That only comes from the Lord. That's not man-made. That humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord and not caring who sees it. That's when the Lord will lift you up. Beloved, are you hearing that word? Do you know that you are called, you are sent by the Lord to bring the message? To go on into the highways and the hedges and the byways, wherever you go, your small corner and me and mine, and you bring the word, the good news of the gospel. You bring the, the word of doom as well, that the wrath of God is coming. It's coming upon all those who believe not the gospel. You know, we like all honey without any of the bitter. And when you get the bitter, you know what you get? You want something sweet. Isn't it that way that we are physically? You eat enough bacon and what do you want? Oh, I need something sweet. Now don't tell me you're not like that because I've seen you down at Fellowship Meals. You eat your meal and you can't wait to get to that dessert tray right there. I need something sweet. I got a sweet tooth. I need something in my mouth that's sweet. I've had the bitter. I've had the sour. And oh man, does that taste good when you get the sweet after you get the sour or the bitter or the salty. That's the law of God, isn't it? Bring that law. And it makes people salivate. I need something to quench the bitterness. And that something is Jesus. And then we give them Jesus. And we tell them, when you have Jesus, you have everything that is necessary for your salvation. When you have Jesus, you don't need popes or prelates. You don't need programs. You don't need any of the man-made, manufactured junk. 
When you have Jesus, you have all that is necessary unto your salvation. Believe on Him. And beloved, if they're going to believe, we've got to bring the message of God to the people. Not something man-made, manufactured. Not tweaking and turning and twisting, but bringing the, the unvarnished Word of God to the people. This is what God says in His Word. That is how the Holy Spirit works. Reformation, revival, it doesn't come from false teaching. It doesn't come from skewing the word of truth. It doesn't come from eclipsing the glory of God. It comes, beloved, when you bring the word of truth. That is how the Spirit of God works. He kindles an upright faith as one is hearing the proclamation of the gospel of come to me. Are you weary? You heavy laden? You burdened by your sins? Jesus says, I will give you rest. I and I alone can give you rest. Come. Come and find rest that I give. That's what we need to bring to the people. Anything other will continually to implode as we're seeing today in our culture. Why? Because the church of Jesus Christ is unfaithful. We are too concerned with prestige. We're too concerned with pleasure. We're too concerned with worldly platitudes. They are zero. They are vain and empty. They are vanity, worse than vanity. They are absolutely nothing, beloved. And people are perishing because we're afraid to bring the message of God's word to the people and call for repentance and faith. God doesn't ask you to repent. He commands you to repent. God commands all men everywhere. We tone it down. Well, God is asking you. God doesn't ask you to repent. He commands you. And so that's what we are to bring. Bring the message. And watch the Spirit work reformation in this heart. In your heart. And then in revival as it begins spilling over to other hearts. Amen. Shall we pray?